dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond the million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. We're glad to have you with us as always. It might sound cliche, but I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. My next guest is CEO of the world's largest cannabis-specific executive search and staffing firm. She spent two decades specialized in doing specialized executive search and staffing for Fortune 500 companies living and working in many parts of the world. So her passport, I'm very jealous of. I'm here with uh, Liesl Bernard, the founder and CEO of Cannabis Team here on Blunt Business. Liesl, thanks for being on with us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So glad to have you on. And let's go and get started, uh, really, just to kind of give the, the context of what, you know, really, uh, what you've been able to do and your recognition for what you've done so far in the industry. You were recently profiled by Authority Magazine in their Women Leading the Cannabis Industry series. A recent study reported... I'm just quoting outside of the magazine that less than 25% of cannabis businesses are run by women. Now on this program, I've actually had the pleasure of interviewing a number of people that actually spoke of this issue of really, you know, how much uh, we'd like to see more female empowerment in the cannabis industry in terms of leadership. Uh, Gene Sullivan from the Arcview group spoke to me about how when we, when I mentioned the fact that, Cannabis, she says, quote, is a $5.4 billion legal industry that women can dominate. You said this to, re- to Authority Magazine that, quote, individuals should stand up for women if they get interrupted or ignored in or outside of the workplace. It may seem simple, but it goes a long way. And in the same vein, Jean, in that interview, when I had with her uh, back a few years back, she mentioned the fact that about it is a matter of those female leaders or those want to be leaders, they must speak up in the boardroom themselves, you know, and just and have the courage to go forward and, you know, confidence in their craft and courage to speak up and because they deserve to be heard. So my question is, do you see a glass ceiling still in the cannabis industry, much like we see throughout corporate America? You know, that, that's a very wide, wide question. And, you know, I think you can come at it from various different angles. But um, I personally believe that there's tons of opportunity in the cannabis industry for, for both women and men, and that companies perform better when they have more diversity, you know, at the top. And uh, whether that's women, men, you know, and people from other cultures and races, I just think in general companies perform better. So I always promote that, you know, uh, when I do do talk to executives in the industry. With that said, talk to me about what it is that you do to help encourage those of diversity, equity or inclusion backgrounds. Obviously, we're seeing businesses being more receptive because of the current culture. But is it still is it just more symbolic or are there is there a real good receptive nature to those that you're reaching out to on behalf of any representatives that you have that are looking to, you know, further their careers? You know, I think what's really 
exciting and fun about the cannabis industry is that it is in a lot of ways, very entrepreneurial and there's opportunities for people from, you know, old backgrounds and, um, you know, with a lot of diversity to enter, enter the market um, and to be a player. And, um, you know, what, what we like to do when we recruit is to really look at the whole market and we interview for culture fit um, and for attitude and for personality. And very often they are, you know, women that came out, come out at the top, you know, on the list of people people that we recruit. Um, the cannabis industry is borrowing talent from, you know, all kinds of other industries like food and beverage, uh, consumer packaged goods, uh, other, um, you know, uh, industries like the, you know, food and wine industries, um, you know, biotech, pharmaceuticals and cosmetics. So, you know, if you look at all those industries, there's a ton of women um, and, you know, people from other backgrounds that can transfer very well into the cannabis industry and, and you know, do well. And we've placed a number of them um, over the last four years. Not to mention, cannabis team has placed thousands of candidates at executive and management levels in all verticals of the cannabis industry across U.S., Canada, Europe, and South America. And you said in a recent press release, I like this quote. Quote, the cannabis industry has proven to be an economic bright spot this year, showing a strength and resiliency that other industries haven't been able to replicate. And I want you to expand on that point, why you think the cannabis industry has been able to stand out so much. You know, I think uh, the cannabis industry in general have shown a lot of resilience. If you think about the fact that, you know, uh, states sort of legalized over the last four years, um, and we're now at a place where, you know, over 30 states have legalized um, and they've had to deal with the fact that, you know, there were so many challenges that every cannabis business had to face in order to just survive um, the extreme taxes, compliance issues, um, banking, you know, you name it. There's, you know, many, many challenges that were thrown at cannabis businesses just to sort of get through this time prior to, to COVID and the pandemic. Um, and I think the fact that cannabis was deemed essential during um, during the pandemic um, was a great boost for the industry. And I think it just added to the resilience of the industry and it really made cannabis more legitimate, I think, in a lot of people's minds. A lot of people probably tried cannabis throughout the pandemic. Um, and, you know, with that being said, you know, we've added so many, many jobs in the industry this year. And, you know, that's really exciting. And I don't think a lot of other, other industries had that luxury and, and that excitement. So, um, you know, I think the cannabis industry is here to stay. So before I got on the air with you, I actually was on an editorial call with one of the producers of one of our other programs here on cannabis radio. Talk about the class of guests that we have on and a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people that I would say would be a potential applicants. Cause we've had certain guests on that, you know, were surprised how many from the Fortune 1000 sector from various industries, from banking, the other corporate environments, the financial, that made their way in. And there's no fear anymore of the stigma that, that used to be attached with the industry so much. I, I, from what you're seeing of those potential applicants that come to you at Cannabis Team, are you seeing that as well? You know, the industry have changed so much. When I started the company uh, four years ago, we really had to convince 
key executives to take a chance to, the, you know, to get into the cannabis industry. Um, we recruited, say, for instance, accountants that had CPA licenses, and they were fearful that if they made the transition and had connection with the cannabis industry, that they might lose their professional certification, et cetera. So um, the industry has come a long way. Today, um, you know, we'll post a position for a CFO, and we have you know, enormous interest from people um, with very sophisticated backgrounds that apply for these jobs. So I definitely agree with you. This stigma is gone. Um, you know, cannabis is now sort of seen as the sexy industry um, and people understand the opportunities that are in the industry. You know, we're still at the infancy of the industry. The industry is, you know, um, set to, you know, quadruple over the next few years. And it's, you know, scheduled, you know, to be, you know, a $21 billion industry in the next year or two. So uh, people understand the opportunity. And, and I think that that's what makes it exciting is, you know, people can really sort of um, take a turn and really get into an industry that they can make a mark in. And that's really exciting. And I'm, I, I asked that question because it is the reason why I wanted to bring up that point is because I want to go into another break in our first commercial break. And when we come back, I want to go and talk more and delve into it because you actually talked to Bloomberg Magazine about this very story. And you actually use that very phrase you just used, that the cannabis industry has become the sexy industry. I want to take that point and I want to go ahead and go mm -hmm. and delve into it further. I'm here with Lisa Bernard, founder and CEO of Cannabis Team uh, with a Z. Which is actually, if you, you know, for those of you uh, radio aficionados, if you might remember, Cannabis Radio originally started being called Cannabis Radio at its infancy until we shortly named the, renamed the station Cannabis Radio because uh, we acquired the website. So there we go. A little, little fun fact as we go into commercial break again. Here with Liesl Bernard. We'll be back after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I'm back here with Liesl Bernard, founder and CEO of Cannabis Team. If you want to take a look at the website while we're uh, going through this, go ahead and flip through CannabisTeam.com. Again, Cannabis with a Z, team.com, so you can learn more. Now, Fortune Magazine, uh, they report how professionals from 500, Fortune 500 companies have been slowly filling seats as some of the top cannabis companies. I would say more, but those people decide to put a paywall up in front of their story. So that's all I'm going to say about Fortune Magazine. Let's move on to somebody that did talk to you, Bloomberg Magazine. Uh, take a look for the story. It's from Tiffany Carey. The story is titled, Executives No Longer Spooked by Pot Jobs as part of their Cannabis Weekly Series. I wish they would quit using the word pot and everything just... Every feel, I always feel like every story that comes out with that, it feels like it might be a hit piece. But I understand where, you know, it's obviously keyword, it works, it, people are searching for it, it's clickbait. Now, before the break, I mentioned how you were quoted by Bloomberg saying this. Today, it's become the sexy industry. After it was deemed essential in COVID, 
people are reaching out to us and saying, how can we get into this industry? So give me some idea of the level of interest you're getting from C-level executives specifically, and more importantly, about the corporate influence that's making their inroads into the cannabis industry. The idea that, well, we have a mousetrap that has worked in the corporate end. We can instill our same philosophies and ideas, and we can incorporate it into the cannabis industry. Let me know, what are your thoughts? You know, we're seeing a lot of cannabis companies grow extremely fast. You know, there's a number of companies that have gone public um, over the last two or three years. There's a few uh, companies that are set to go public um, in the next year. So companies are looking for talent from other industries and to bring a level of sophistication, um, expertise, uh, best practices uh, to the cannabis industry. And I think that's the type of talent we're attracting from, you know, industries, like I said before, food and beverage, uh, consumer package, goods, biotech, pharmaceuticals, cosmetics, because all of those industries, um, you know, sort of indirectly relate to the products that we're seeing uh, coming out of the industry. And I think what a lot of executives find really exciting and interesting is the cannabis industry is set to grow astronomically over the next few years. And if you think about not only the US market, also the global market, um, and these candidates with experience from other industries can really come and contribute to the success and growth of you know, companies that are still considered sort of in startup phase. So it's a new opportunity, a new lease on their career, um, and they can be a big fish and a pretty small pond right now. And that's not something that's easily done in, in the other industry. So that's, I think, the exciting part about, you know, executives looking into making the transition into the industry. As they make that transition, the leadership that comes in, I can imagine there are some cases where somebody might be brought on, you know, in terms of a company that just received, you know, a considerable amount of investment money, seed money. And making sure that you have a leader that comes on board that's mm -hmm. part of, say, as a chairman of the board of directors or an advisory member that's coming in to make sure this person kind of locks in some integrity for that company so that they don't feel like that any qualified investors that put money into this particular company, they're not going to feel like the money is going to be squandered. Is that something that you, uh, one of the things that is a consideration that leadership is brought on for leadership's sake, for integrity's sake? You know, I, I, I think that's probably a component of it. Um, but again, the industry has come so far. You know, four years ago, there was a lot of people with, um, you know, just cannabis experience that were playing in the field. Today, we're seeing executives from Wall Street, um, top executives from all kinds of Fortune 500 companies that are now at the top in the cannabis industry. And, you know, I think it gives the industry a level of credibility. It gives investors a level of confidence that they can invest in these companies and they're going to be run by executives with the depth of experience that's required to take them public or to um, take them global, globally. And so I think that those are the things that, you know, investors look for. But you know, cannabis companies are now seeking more sophisticated talent in order to stay competitive um, and to you know keep up with the growth that's predicted over the next few years. So definitely, I totally agree with you. Now, I want to call back just one thing, not in this interview, but an interview that I want to point listeners out to. And I've, I've referenced this. If you listen to this show for any length of time, you know I have referenced the Green Peak with Richard Zwicky on our network. And an interview he did with uh, Harborside co-founder Steve D'Angelo. Okay, 
I mean, obviously one of the synonymous pioneers of this industry here for decades. And in that interview, we talked about not only the fact that, you know, Silicon Valley types and others, there are leaders in the waiting in the wings, waiting for legalization to come into play, that they will swoop in and they will come in and, and companies will come in by, you know, the truckload to come in and be involved in this industry, especially with a lot of corporations, even the corporations we're already seeing right now, like the Coca-Cola's or the Starbucks or the, you know, Budweiser's of the world already trying to inject themselves, trying to get involved in the, in the industry in some way, shape or form on their end to an extent. But the other thing I think about is one of the things that was very important that Steve mentioned in the interview was the fact of understanding and relating to the culture that came before it because there was a culture that was a an environment that came before them that you know we don't want to see a corporate culture come into play that completely just tries to instill well this has worked one place it'll work here too that there has to be some kind of a point where you know how silicon valley changed so much it might have been very you know relaxed sneakers and jeans kind of environment but then everybody had to go to you know suit and tie and had to be much more professional formal do you think this industry can still have what it's had in the past or do you think it's just going to get much more professionalized is that inevitable you know that's that's a tough question but i i you know, I, we are seeing companies growing and putting more structure into place and, and replacing uh, people that have maybe come from, uh, you know, the industry prior to legalization. Um, and, you know, more executives are entering the industry in order to, you know, help these companies grow. Um, I think, you know, the opportunity for companies to maintain the heart um, and sort of the the legacy of you know what who started the company and and what they brought i think is really important and you know i think a lot of brands are trying to capture that um, as they continue to grow um, but yeah you know i think like any other industry you know as they mature things you know things will change change the structure will change and obviously if it goes fully legal um, you know there'll be so many more uh, players in the market that can't you know, necessarily play in the market today because maybe they're publicly traded in the U.S. and they're prevented from uh, playing in the cannabis space today. So um, I definitely think we're poised for a lot of growth and change, um, but I agree with you. It would be wonderful to keep some of these, uh, you know, beautiful, um, you know, legendary uh, contributors to the industry as part of the culture as they continue to grow. So I want to get back to the Bloomberg article, which, by the way, they did a great job of really positioning you. In, and I liked the way they profiled you and really uh, thought it was a very good, a very good, a good piece they put out. I want to take something else more from that article. A question that was very fascinating to me was, has the new potential cannabis executive actually tried the still federally legal, legal product? This is important. I'll say for myself, you know, I've never partaken in a cannabis myself, and I'm, I'm admitting that on the air right now. And it's not that I haven't appreciated, you know, the fact of it. It's just I never did. Not even even being in this business and working on this network for five years now, just it wasn't anything for me. But I respect and I want legalization more than anybody else. And I I want people to have their advices. I want people to go in and enjoy this product. And I want, you know, any which way for people to go ahead and succeed if they want to be in the mar- in the industry. Absolutely. I want I want a full I want free enterprise more than anything else for this industry. And I want also 
you know, I do like the fact of hey, you know, looking at what your peers are. This what you know, some people that are working in the in the in the environment now might have come from an illicit market because you know they might have already done, they might have actually done a pretty good job cultivating their craft and now incorporating it into a more professional environment for a lot of different overlying factors. So, and back to the point about the executives that have actually their attachment to the product in some way, shape, or form. You said this, quote, we often ask, what is your experience with cannabis? And so many people open up and say cannabis really helps someone in their family overcome cancer or deal with disease. And on this program, I can't tell you how many times or on the network itself, how many different business types we brought on that have said it was family member, my daughter, you know, my niece, you know, my grandmother, my mother. It's mm -hmm. all of that. It's it's so much. And that's all you see when I talk about how we want to go and get the stigma pushed back on everybody that kind of puts out a bad narrative about the industry by a mainstream media this is the narrative to go with because this is the honest truth so what do you say about companies lisa having a balanced work culture of people who relate to the plant from a medical or adult use perspective you know most companies that we work with um and I, I, in fact, all of them, none of them have come to us and say, hey, we, we only want people that are current consumers of the product to work for us. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not something that's required to work in the industry. I think a lot of companies like people that are passionate about their products, what they're doing, what their mission statement is and what their values are. And um, they like people that, you know, fit into uh, and are aligned with their culture from that perspective. Um, I agree with you. I, I think uh, cannabis has influenced so many people positively, um, you know, and have helped so many people in the industry from a medicinal perspective. And I just find it so heartwarming to um, connect and interview so many of our candidates that that share their stories. And, um, you know, I really think that, you know, this industry is poised to change um, you know, so many people's lives once it goes legal and people have easier access to the products, um, you know, that they that they need. Absolutely. I want to go and continue our conversation. I want to get back to what we were talking about at the start of the program where I mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion. There's a story I want to go and bring up about that, and I want to get your take on it. Again, I'm with Elisa Bernard, founder and CEO of Cannabis Team. Again, Cannabis with a Z, team.com. Make sure you look at the website. And we'll also learn from Lisa where we can learn more about how all of you can go ahead and reach out to Lisa's team about if you're looking to make yourself, make your own rent and roads into the industry. We'll learn about that coming up after a short break. Stay with us. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back 
with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back here on Blunt Business with a, a wonderful guest I've had on for the after, this half hour, Liesl Bernard, founder and CEO of Cannabis Team. And Liesl, I'll just say first off, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us the insight because these are questions I've always had when it comes to, because I'm, I have a concern, not so much where, you know, there's obviously there's the there's that dynamic of, of people coming into the industry and the fear of what they bring coming into the industry from a corporate standpoint. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit, a bit skeptical. I could say, cause working in corporate beforehand, you know, I don't have that kind of feeling in the environment here and I always feel like a place that can have that corporate standard. Okay. Obviously having that organization, that infrastructure, that bureaucratic feel, I can appreciate that. But I also do not want it to stunt creativity or growth or fostering an environment that everybody's going to really excel in and really foster some great some great innovation. I want that to be possible for anybody that comes into this industry. I think that's with this industry being what it is. That's what tech was for a long time. And that was considered fringe. And there's other industries in the same way. I want to make sure that really comes out like that. So, again, it's a matter of who gets to come in. So Forbes recently wrote about why diversity and inclusion are crucial in times of disruption. Uh, they're referring to the pandemic. So one study suggested that diversity and inclusion helped to recruit and retain top talent, improve creativity, innovation and performance, and boost the company's brand among consumers. The World Economic Forum indicated that companies that champion DNI are also more profitable. Another study now says that they indicated that organizations that switch to survival mode to address the impacts of a global pandemic, quote, anything that is considered nice to have is being jettisoned with senior stakeholders unable to prior prioritize anything that isn't absolutely key to the business. So again, they're saying the stark and penetrable reality is that DNI are not nice to have. I completely agree with that. I think there's still a thing where diversity, equity, inclusion should be met with merit and performance and they're absolutely key to the business. So what are your thoughts on this point from Forbes? I definitely agree that the more diversity any company has, you know, especially at an executive level, um, you know, the, the more forward thinking, um, creative um, and, you know, responsive they would be to their consumer needs. You know, it just goes without saying that if you have different people from different backgrounds that contribute to the thought leadership in any company, that company is, you know, going to um, be more successful. So um, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I always recommend to all of the companies that we work with to really look at um, you know, their leadership team and make sure that, you know, they have as much diversity as possible, um, you know, as they continue to grow. Is there anything with the human resources types, the people that are coming on board, reaching out to you, is there anything where you feel like some of the companies are asking for above and beyond that, you know, to really, they feel like it's a symbolic thing that they need to go and ask to make sure someone they bring on board checks so many certain boxes if you will is that something is that kind of a something that you're getting from some clients that they feel like this there needs to be prioritizing of dei in the applicants that are brought on board 
You know, the interesting thing is, is that more and more of our multi-state operator clients um, in the cannabis industry are reaching out to us to say, hey, we need more diversity at the top. And, you know, can you um, can you assist with that? Um, and because of that, we have um, we're on the process of launching our board of director placement services for the cannabis industry. Um, and that will absolutely include helping companies create more diversity at the top. So I find that really, really exciting that, you know, companies are, are starting to seek that out um, actively. Fantastic. And is there anything, this is just so on a personal question my of, of this as well. Is there anything that when, and this is getting into now talking about cannabisteam.com and learning more about what you do and getting some insight of what the company, what your, your firm does. Uh, is there anything in particular in terms of certification or education that is important to have that really put an applicant ahead of somebody else? You know, it's strange. It's not necessarily the technical skills um, and the experience that, you know, will set someone apart in the cannabis industry. I think there's an enormous amount of people with the right technical skills, experience, uh, certifications, et cetera, that um, on paper look like they would be a perfect fit to a fast growing cannabis company. But really what sets the candidate apart, um, you know, in recruiting for the cannabis industry is their mindset, um, their entrepreneurial spirit, their ability to wear multiple hats and their ability to change. Because the, this industry is not for someone that's used to a lot of structure um, that comes from an environment where they have a dedicated marketing team, a dedicated um, accounting team, you know, and have all the structure and support that you get in a big global corporation, because there's no there's no position like that in the cannabis industry. We are looking for talent that can adapt, can change, can be entrepreneurial, can be creative um, and take initiative um, in addition to the skills and experience that, you know, our, our clients need. So we interview a lot for attitude um, and the ability to, you know, adapt um, before we place people in the industry. I love that. I, I, I love what you're doing. Again, we, we don't get to talk much about for those that are looking to go and find a career in. And I want to make point that one of the clients you actually have on board, and I mentioned Steve D'Angelo before, Harbor Side is one of your clients. I, it's like, like-minded. Uh, mm -hmm. yes. and I, I love what you're working with. I, I love what you're doing right now. And, and honestly, Lisa, with you, I just feel there's such a measurement of just confidence. And I think that's just something that I feel like that's it exudes your team. Like there's something where I could just feel like the way you present yourself, I could just imagine the people that work behind you because like, I mean, this is the thing you're going to represent the same way another cannabis company will, because it's the leadership at the top. You know, I can see where you're doing right now and the way you present yourself and the, what you, what you've said in the press and what the team has done, you know, tells a lot about the integrity of what the business is supposed to be like. It's because you are setting the example. You're setting the role model right now. And I, I already get that from all the information I've read about you and your team. And I love what you guys are doing. And I wish you all success. And let's definitely go ahead and keep in touch. Um, in the meantime, let's go ahead and let our listeners know where they can go to learn more about Cannabis Team. I know I mentioned a website. Uh, any social media uh, handles we should, we should go to. Anything that you learn about uh, that, that's of importance to our listeners. 
Sure, no problem. Um, we um, now have eight offices across the U.S. Um, so we have, uh, you know, offices on the East Coast, um, also, you know, in the Midwest and, you know, several on the West Coast. So if there are any clients out there that are looking for talent, um, we're happy to be a resource for them. We place people both on a temporary uh, consulting direct hire, and then also on an, at an executive level. So we place talent in all verticals within the cannabis industry, uh, from cultivation to extraction, testing, uh, manufacturing, uh, distribution, retail, and then we also fill all executive level roles within the industry. Um, you can reach us at cannabisteam.com, cannabis with a z.com, and we're also on all the social media platforms under Cannabis Team or Cannabis Temp, which is our um, talent on demand um, division mm -hmm. that places people on a temporary and a consulting basis. So uh, feel free to look at us, um, us up on LinkedIn, um, on we our website, or any of the social media platforms. Fantastic. Lisa Bernard, it's me again. Uh founder and CEO of Cannabis Team. So glad to have you on the network with us today. Thanks for being on with us. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure to speak with you. It's like likewise. Again, and listeners, make sure you're going to check out CannabisTeam.com. And as we go and wrap things up, thank you again for listening to the show. Finding the show as you do through Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, so many different places. We are ubiquitous. That's the, that's the word of the day. Ubiquitous. Make sure you're going to look us up. Tell more people to, to go ahead and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.